What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. Today's episode is fantastic. Our guest today is Chuck Pisaglia. If you don't know Chuck, he's amazing. He's an employment law attorney and the founder of Employment Law Solutions. He's also an adjunct professor at Regis University here in Denver and the author of Can I Bring My Pet Monkey to Work? Answers to 45 of the Wildest Workplace Law Questions. Chuck's a staple in the Denver employment law community, an expert in workplace compliance issues, and it's just really freaking funny. His discussion with the TCB crew is just great. I think you're going to love this episode. So kick back, make sure your monkey is accounted for, and let's get right on into it with Chuck Pisaglia on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender. If you work in HR or make people decisions in your organization, this is the place to be. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. Well, welcome everybody. Here we are, episode 65 of The Corporate Bartender. It's Wednesday. It's my favorite day. So let's get on into it. I got some new pictures for you guys today. I got tired of looking at the same pictures. So this is my new bar is open slide. Made me thirsty. All right. Looks like today, old fashioned, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. What? I don't like those. <laughs> We've got a few newbies here today, so we'll do some quick intros. Uh, I'll, I'll pimp Morag's article again, and then we're going to get into Chuck and talk about monkeys and stuff. And that's going to be fun. Nice. We'll do our funny stuff, cocktails and good feels things and send you off to dinner. So new folks, we've got Cindy and we've got Jen, who are TCB virgins. Jenny, Jenny hasn't been here very much. I ought to make her go too, but I'm not. I'm just kidding. So Cindy, tell us who you are, yes, where you I'm are. I'm here. I'm, this is Jen. Oh, go ahead, Jen. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, go ahead, Jen. Oh, go ahead, Jen. She said so, she's sorry, I'm, I'm driving, so that's why you can't see me. <laughs> well, right, tell, us who, tell us who you are, Jen. What, who are you? Where are you? What do you do? And tell us one boring fact about you. <laughs> one boring fact. So, um, yeah, like she mentioned earlier, I know Meredith, so that's how I got involved in the group. And Meredith and I go way back. We worked at Hunter Douglas together. And now I'm at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and also friends with Jenny Levy. And um, I'm, I, I'm boring. I don't, I go to bed at seven <laughs> o'clock every night. So I'm pretty boring. That's a good, boring fact. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, Jen. It's good. It's good to almost see you. <laughs> Miss, Miss Burnham, who are I you? Where so, are you? What I, do you do? And something boring I, about yourself. There's so many boring things about me. Uh, so I am Cindy Burnham, and I am a, a corporate dropout who is now an executive coach and freelance facilitator living in the mountains east of San Diego, where we currently have high wind conditions and they're threatening to turn off our power. Oh, boy. And Yeah. Woohoo. Uh, and the boring fact about me, um, I always got good grades. <laughs> really boring. Nice. Oh, awesome. Well, welcome, Cindy. It's good to Thank see you. you here at the bartender. All right. So um, obligatory, shameless Morag promotion. Um, if you haven't read her article, if you don't like the show, change the channel. You're going to want to go check that out. It's, it's, it's a pretty revealing look on embracing life and living in the now and I think we could all we could all use that right now. Um, it's it's real good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's sitting here welling up, going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. We built it up for you. That's right. That's right. And if and if you think it sucks, you should email Morag and tell her that. Oh, yeah, I can sucked. take it. <laughs> If you haven't gotten the app for the Bartender Network, you should do that. There's cool stuff going on over there. You don't have to wait for Wednesday to get your bartender fix, and you guys can interact with each other and share stuff. It's a cool spot. All right, a couple of quick headlines. Um, <laughs> I was on I was actually on a call with Morag and Cindy the other day, and I put out a request to get this one because 
it was behind a paywall and I needed to figure out how to read it. It's a really cool article um, on e-charisma and it's basically the things you can do to, to be more connected and engaging in this format. And it's not just, it's not the same spate of, you know, use a, use a virtual background and, you know, keep your meeting short. It's, it's actually got some really, really good uh, tips and tricks in there. So I like that one. Um, is, is having charisma a necessary predicate to actually reading this article or? No, no, you actually get 10 charisma points for reading the <laughs> okay. article, Chuck. Perfect. And I'm going to add on that, that's a question that Cynthia can answer offline because her book, The Charisma Edge, what? is worth reading. And it's oh, like, good. oh my God. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, she's got one. Hold it up Famous again. promotion. Yeah. I got to write it down. <laughs> there you go. The Charisma Edge, Cindy uh-huh. Burnham's book. Uh, this next article, I'm going to let Morag talk about because she got fired up about it this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was an article about a new um, product tweak that Microsoft had rolled out that allowed you to look across your organization at how much employees were using the various Microsoft Office tools um, in order to be productive. Yeah, give you a reaction- score. So apparently it went right down to individuals. So let's say Morag didn't log into Teams for three days, a.k.a. I'm not productive. So apparently there was a little bit of pushback on this. So Microsoft have switched it off. So you can still get the report, but it would be at the bartender level, not the individual level. But I'm still at the, what the, since when has how often I log into technology tools been an indicator of how productive I am? Surely it's the results and the outputs I create. So anyway, yeah, I'll get on my high horse on this one and the Deutsche Bank one. And like, it's stupid. Let's I've got a book for you to read about humans that. Like, all right, anyway, there you go. Uh, you know, with Morag, I, I wish we knew where she stood on things. I wish she would open up a little bit more. Um, this last one is another one on the legal front because I figured Chuck was going to be here. And uh, it was from the Insurance Journal, but it was a Bloomberg article. Employers facing wave of lawsuits by parents fired during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And reading this article, it was bizonkers to see and hear some of the things that employers said to employees. Like, get your kid's situation under control. Like, make the one-year-old baby stop making noise. <laughs> what are you going to do? Duct tape the baby? I don't, I don't get it. And just things that, that, that actually came out of people's mouths blew my mind. Uh, you know, so rightly so, they're getting sued. But um, when we get to Chuck's segment today, you're going to hear a lot of things that came out of people's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> Some employers deserve to be sued. Absolutely. Right. They're the same okay. ones checking productivity by when when you've logged into certain things. It's same mindset, right? Same yeah. corporate philosophy. Yeah. Yep. Well, I ha- I heard of one recently. Oh, sorry, dog with noisy toy. Um, <laughs> because that's inappropriate in the workplace too. Um, but but on her team meetings, she made everybody show that they were wearing shoes. That's what? another one that, yeah. Oh, wow. It's like, excuse me? That could be culturally insensitive in a lot of households. Unless and who cares? The shoe company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. If you want to know, Laurel, today I am double socked because I've got cold feet. No <laughs> cold today. Yeah. Well, I should have called Chuck a few years ago when I called a different attorney, but I knew we were screwed when... The woman told me that this is just a lead-in for Chuck, Eric. I'm just a little early. Sex <laughs> in the mail. Yeah, yeah, really. No, the uh, the warehouse manager, um, she, the young, the woman came to me and said that she wanted to make a complaint because he had said she was unloading stuff and his desk was right by where she was working in the warehouse. And he said, well, I'd like to come help you, but I can't stand up because I have a heart on. Oh, whoa. <laughs> is, wow. is that I mean, illegal, I, Chuck? I imagine. Well, you know, what's funny is that you got to wonder like, 
how big a problem is this? <laughs> so many levels, it makes me wonder. That's, that's why I love Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Chuck's wow. going to be here all week, ladies and germs. <laughs> Oh, wow, this is good. <laughs> this is this is why you had to leave Mountain States, right? Exactly. You just always <laughs> had to come back. Me out of Mountain States. Uh, yeah. Well, conduct unbecoming a lawyer. Although well, I, am, I, I am wearing shoes, I'm just not wearing pants. That's the issue. See, I, see, that's the question okay. that people ask is always the important thing. That's right. Just don't please, stand please up. Please don't stand up. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I actually have that in one of my current policy documents. I because I'm I'm now in a workplace where I can almost say everything I think. So it does say that it's okay to not have fans as long as you don't stand up. Well, you're in the rare seems, workplace. There That's was so a friend of mine was on a call with a uh, who's a consultant, and she was on a call with a group of people from a, a client company, including the CEO who was dressed in a very nice polo shirt and was very engaged. And he stood up and he was wearing boxer shorts that you could see like. Wow. Two or three inches of the boxer shorts. Yep. Wow. That is rough. <laughs> that was uh, wow. CB. Wow. CB Bowman. Yeah. Well, I do have to finish my story. I went back to the guy and I said, yeah. did yeah. you say this? <laughs> and uh, he said, I don't believe that's a direct quote. I said, okay. Would a reasonable person have uh, come up with, test. with a similar conclusion. And he said, well, it's possible. So, <laughs> you know, the funny thing was he did appear in the deposition. <laughs> I wonder what parts of him appeared. <laughs> and I'm glad you didn't finish the story. I had to get to the climax instead of the conclusion. So I feel better that this, I think we're all a little bit better at managing these conversations, especially in a bar. So Chuck, it's good. Chuck, Chuck, you know, these conversations can get a little messy. <laughs> we could do this all day. Yeah. Yeah. This, this could come to a sticky end. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. a double. Two first. You know, I have a book that actually talks about stuff like this. We're going to get right there in just a second, but we have a couple people that popped in, and yes. I want to say hey to Finky. Finky, good to see you, buddy. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good to see everybody. Right on. And and we have a newbie. Lori, yeah. do you want do you want to put Shushan on the spot? I, I do. I'll, I'll talk slowly to prepare you for your opportunity to share with us, Shushan. Uh, Shushan is new. Um, I, I met her through um, work. She, she is also a uh, executive coach and super excited to have her here. And Shushan, if you don't mind just kind of saying hello, you're, uh, what do you do? Where are you from? And we always ask, what's one boring fact about you? Oh my goodness. Well, the boring fact is what I'll start with, which I'm sitting in a car currently in a parking lot <laughs> and was trying to be very quiet. Uh, but clearly that does not work with this group. So which I appreciate no. very much. <laughs> so I uh, I call myself a recovering executive. Uh, <laughs> I exited my corporate career about five years ago and decided to uh, help from the outside and help other corporate executives that are suffering tremendously and making other people suffer inside a company <laughs> uh, through leadership development and coaching practice. So I appreciate the invitation and it sounds like a really fun group and uh, my kind of sense of humor. So <laughs> you come to the right bar. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I actually, I'm based in New York City. I'm currently in Corporate Christie, Texas. So um, I'm business. But uh, one of these days, I will tell you guys the M&M story. Um, yes. Got my attention. Well, yeah, it, it's very much when it might want to be included in one of the books uh, by the attorneys. Uh, <laughs> the corporate executive that dropped M&Ms down a lady's blouse at work. So... Um, oh, wow. but, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'll spare you those because I know all of you have even more stories than that. But uh, <laughs> great topic. Thank you for the intro. Yeah, Thank thanks, you, Sean. Sean. All right. Well, let's get into Chuck. I tried to find the most hard-ass picture of you I could find, Chuck. There really, 
there really are not many. <laughs> I, I know. So I went with the one that looks like uh, you should have a drill sergeant hat on in this picture. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I love that. <laughs> That's from I'm my gonna... video. Corporate yeah, video. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. I know. I, I you don't have a press kit, so I had to I had to get creative. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to Lori because she's had just enough wine to interview Chuck now. Um, <laughs> said I'm gonna step back, Lori. It is your show. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> super excited to have uh, Chuck with us today. Uh, I want to give you so Ch Chuck's been joining our corporate bartender uh, talks weekly and has been catching up on some of the previous episodes. So he's, he's learned a lot about you all behind your back. And, <laughs> and so uh, we thought it would be fun to uh, bring, bring Chuck in for an interview because um, of the kind of unique space he holds in this whole world of HR and leadership. Um, to give you a little bit of background about Chuck, he um, has owned his own consulting business since about 2003, um, Employment Law Solutions. So he works with employers to um, provide advice and counsel and investigations and policy interpretation and guidance and, and those kinds of things. Um, and he also does a lot of training. Right, and so his his kind of sweet spot, his area of expertise, is around um, kind of workplace compliance training programs. So around harassment prevention, around unconscious bias, performance management, ethical decision making, those kinds of things. And that's how I got to know Chuck. Is um, <clears throat> we asked him to. He's been working with Cable Labs since before I've been with Cable Labs, um, doing our biannual workplace respect training. And the thing that was amazing to me um, was the, the first time I saw Chuck go through this, this two-hour difficult topic of training blew me away, right? Because this is one of those mandatory people sometimes feel scolded or, you know, like they're doing it wrong kind of things. It's the, the legal compliance side of things. And, you know, I have to say that Chuck can keep a group of 150 people on the edge of their seat for two hours with this topic. So uh, I've always been super impressed with, with his abilities. Um, and he does that through fact and storytelling and a huge dose of humor um, if you can see this book here that we've been showing on the bartender, this is a new release that uh, just came out on Amazon, what, two weeks ago, just before Thanksgiving? Yeah, just a little bit less than two weeks ago. Yeah. And um, I have to say he was uh, the number one best-selling book on Amazon in the labor and employment law category. Woo! The vast, <laughs> vast category. <laughs> came out with the book. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, but, but this topic, right, can I bring my monkey to work, my pet monkey to work? And this is answers to 45 of the wildest workplace law questions that he's been asked, right, through, throughout his career. And so just wanted to, to, to bring you on, Chuck, and, and have a conversation with you about, you know, kind of your journey, um, how you got to where you are today, and, um, you know, what are you passionate about? What, what was the, the prompt for you to write this book? Oh, fantastic. Well, it's a great opportunity. You know, I have to say, I love the corporate bartender. I think it's a great forum for people who do essentially much the same things to get together and talk about life. And really, I think, reaffirm what we all do. So I consider it a pleasure uh, to get a chance to talk to people about it, which is what I like to do anyway, is talk to people and drink. And so this is my wheelhouse right here. Um, Boom. I'm, I'm going to feel part of it. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to talk about the book. I learned a lot about publishing a book. Uh, it's my COVID baby, just so you know. Um, this last few months gave me an opportunity to put it together. And as you mentioned, Laurie, these are questions that have been asked of me in some way, shape, or form, including a chapter on, can someone be fired for looking gay? To can I bring a sword to work? To uh, you, can I bring my pet monkey to work? Uh, and so I've answered a lot of, even during the 
um, during the pandemic. Someone asked me, can I hire a physically superior person who has a reduced risk of COVID-19? Can we oh. test employees to assure they will survive the pandemic and not decrease productivity? So a lot of people, and the whole book is prompted by what we all do, and that is executives, and human resources professionals are expected to know the answers to a lot of really hard things instantaneously. And our world is just too complex for people to do it instantaneously. Mm -hmm. So I want to remind people of that. And so, so I, I highlighted some of my favorite chapters in the book. Oh, good. I hope the TSA pre-check one was good. If I could change, yeah, so good. <laughs> that was one of them. So good. A TSA pat down a form of sexual harassment. It's one of the questions. Um, that is it illegal to fire someone for uh, who is gay or looks gay, as you said, is is a is a real question. Um, does an employee have the right to wear yoga pants to work? Is one of the questions. Um, can employees be required to wear deodorant? Um, is addiction to technology a disability? Uh, can employees bring a sword <laughs> to work? That's a great one. Can employees ad- avoid drug tests if afraid to pee around others? Is one of them. <laughs> Especially exciting. Um, are employees accountable for their social media social media posts? That's a that's a big one. That's a, a tricky one. Um, does an employee have the right to miss work for male enhancement surgery? <laughs> Apropos of our previous. Hey, yeah. Lori, the one you mentioned about social media, that was in <clears throat> that article about people suing, parents that are suing, because mm-hmm. one woman got fired um, because her boss saw her making Facebook posts when she said she would be unavailable because she was doing childcare. Right. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I mean, we live in a world in which I read recently that one in four women have entertained or are currently in the process of leaving the labor force. And mm-hmm. the tremendous impact of COVID-19, family care responsibilities uh, on families. And so I have a whole chapter in the book, questions related to gender issues. Um, and they're important that people have a fundamental understanding of them. Mm-hmm. Something, Chuck, that you and I were talking about after you had done our our workplace respect training, which was really, I thought, um, especially good in the in the context of what's going on in the world with the protests and and the you know the the terrible things that have been happening this year, and and also this layer of unconscious bias, right? This this part of us that's just part of us, and how do we recognize that, and what do we do about that? But one of the things that you and I talked about is. If, if we don't give people the opportunity to ask what might sound like crazy questions, then we don't have the opportunity to learn. And so that's that's the other piece of this is that we, we have to make a safe space for people to even ask the questions um, and, and be able to have that conversation so that people have that opportunity to, to gain knowledge and to understand maybe even the question is offensive, you know, and why is that? So I don't know how much um, more of that he's been seeing this year, Chuck, with the the state of the world these days. Well, I think it's true. I mean, a lot of this book highlights things that, that you already know. You're heavy in the leadership development space on the members of this group, is that I think the book highlights some of the principal traits that leaders have to have. I think there's only five that you really have to have to be an effective leader, one man's construct of having lived a life. But one of them is the ability to listen, empathy, which requires the um, some effort on the part of individuals to be receptive to hearing others. That's a that, take, that can take a lifetime for people to learn. And it's some, not something you learn off the side of your desk. And people have to practice it in order. And quite frankly, they have to want to be empathetic and they have to want to listen to others. Just like the book highlights, we talked about the questions that you asked is, can I bring a sword to work? Well, that question goes to our civil rights laws is that the second leadership trait is consistency, is if you do it one time, you might have to do it another time because people have expectations. The entire questions about um, 
Can you fire someone who looks gay? Well, that goes to the question of our, the demand of our civil rights laws to be respectful towards others. Either you are respectful or you're not. I am an optimist. I think most people have tremendous capacity for it. 99% of the harassment investigations that I've ever done, someone who's confronted with the allegations against them had no flipping clue that their behavior had overstepped boundaries. A common misassumption is that there is just dark forces at work in the universe, but I think it's just general blissful ignorance that people have in their interactions with others. And then you talked about the other two um, in the recent past, and I think one of them about the questions to make it really important is that this book has got a lot in it. It's legally heavy because it's to remind people who are super high on their high horse organizational leaders that they don't know everything. And I think a leadership trait is humility, is that it's good, to, it's good to be curious. It's good to know you don't know everything in the world because then you can think about other people. I have a simple humility test for organizations. When's the last time you walked by, back when you could walk by somebody's cubicle, when's the last time you walked by somebody's cubicle and said, I'm heading to the break room to get a cup of coffee. Can I get you one? And it sounds trite to say that, but it's an apt demonstration that everyone in the cubicle farm heard you say it and actually is noticeably moved by the fact you thought of another human being for one iota of your life. And then the last one is one you've talked about a lot on this program that I've had a chance to see. And I think the fifth one goes to your point, Lori, and that is the ability to give and receive constructive feedback mm -hmm. is do you tell people, I, I think there'd be no harassment on earth if I ran the world because I would require every supervisor once a quarter to look at every employee that reports to them and say one question, do you think I and others treat you with the measure of respect you deserve? Do you think I and others treat you with the measure of respect? And then I'd make them wait and listen for the answer to that question receptively because the world would be entirely different if people would actually stop to ask that question and beg for an answer. And 99% of the time, people who are normal and cool, like all the people on this program are gonna get, yeah, you got, you know, you got my back. I think you're all right. But then every once in a while, you're gonna say, you know, that person in the cubicle next to me is an asshole. And I just wanted you to know it. I can handle it. I'm good. But I want, you know, you, we talk about the creation of allies. We do it a lot now. It's a principal source of how people can overcome adversity. And you're not gonna, just knowing you have the ally is, is you know, 99.9% .9 of overcoming life's difficulties. So the book in a roundabout way does what we all try to do at work every day and reinforce some of these basic traits that if people read it, slow down. I think, you know, I tell people to read a chapter a day. I mean, they're not super hard words that I use cause I'm not brilliant. Um, and it's important for people to take time to do that. As, as I started kind of, Eric and I were sort of flipping through and looking at different pieces of it and, and there's humor in it, which is, is the fun part, but it also, it does give you that different lens. Like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Or, Oh my gosh, I wonder what somebody could be thinking to even ask this question, but it's a legit question for them. Right. And yeah. so, so to that point of, um, being, being open to other people's perspective and experience in the world is, is kind of half the battle, just knowing that there's other perspectives and experiences oh, yeah. in the world. Look at the divisive times in which we live, in which people see a world as still a heteronormative model of existence, and they're even flummoxed by having to think about issues of gender identity. I mean, it simply is a concept that they're unprepared to even entertain. So I try to do it. I mean, you know, I, I don't go heavy on the humor. I, the things I took out of this book would make, I want to read book. that one. Just I want to read that book. <laughs> Eric, that's your book, my friend. Maybe we <laughs> could have a private screening of it. A, a TCB oh. version of, Oh book. my God. I was There's over the top. Uh, but my wife yeah. uh, reeled me back in and, uh, so she was a critical I, reader of this early draft of this book. She said, yeah, we need the, we need the non-wife censored version of this book. Yeah, the I, do to, I do have to say, Chuck, yeah. one of the things that I really, I really loved, and I actually ended up flipping through all of them 
was, you know, at each chapter where you, you list the question and then you have like a little quote or a reference to a movie or lines from a song or something. That was my favorite part. So I went through and read all those first because <laughs> it kind of hooked me into, to reading like, Oh, why did he pick office space for that quote? Right. So then I would, I would, stack how I wanted to read them that way. So that was oh, awesome. awesome. I, I just took movies I like. And so I just <laughs> use quotes that I like from them. And like, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's what we do. I think movies are reflective. I was going to put in my top 10 list of the fate of my favorite workplace movies. And, um, we should post that. You should post that on the, on the bartender network. Okay, I will. That'd be good. I think The Princess Bride is one of my favorite workplace movies, even though As you there's wish. no real workplace uh, uh, in the movie itself, because the Dread Pirate Roberts is employment at will. I will surely kill you tomorrow. Sleep well. Well, change that to terminate someone tomorrow, and that's employment at will. I mean, that's literally the legal concept of employment at will. And so we can learn so much from humor, and the quotes just kind of keep me from making it so dry, and Lori mentioned, you know, it's a heavy duty area of responsibility of organizations, compliance, and it can slay uh, any reasonable adult. Mm -hmm. I thought one of the interesting <clears throat> side chats, you know, when we when we do virtual training now, the, the chat feature is huge because there's a lot of, of conversation and Sometimes it's, and, and I appreciate that when Chuck does this, he invites people, hey, if you have a question that you don't want to share with everybody, you want to just send it to me, I'll share it with the group, but I won't identify who sent it, right? Because if you have the question, probably other people have the question. So around this topic, that's to, to that point of, we have to allow space to ask the question. And the thing that that was interesting with with one of our sessions was the the, the conversation around pronouns. Right in the gender identity, and and there were several people in our workforce that this is the first time they'd heard that this was a thing. They're like, "What do you mean? They, there, like they, like it was? They got they got all stuck in the grammar, but that's not grammatically correct, right?" And so <laughs> there there was the opportunity to bring forth that education to say, "No, this is a thing, and this is important that you know it's a thing," right? And uh, so, so I thought that was, you know, kind of one of the more recent changes and, and things that's more current that there are just people who don't know and they're not trying to be offensive. They're not trying to be, you know, harassing in any way. They just don't know. So. Well, and Lori, I, I find that when, when someone just isn't aware, but they're thankful for the learning yes. versus I didn't know, but why is that a big deal? And then the defensiveness. I mean, I, we just had a recent conversation um, with someone about how whenever there's a team of all males, it's, boy, the team did a great job. But when there's a team of females, are the ladies did great. And it's like, well, do you realize that? I don't know if they find that. I actually don't find that very um, respectful. It feels like you're categorizing their work based on gender. Why would you categorize that for women and not the men? And he was upset. And, you know, just again, back to the thank you for the learning. Let's, you know, not the judgment. Um, it's interesting. Oh, I love that comment. I was uh, just talking about gender issues. I was teaching a class in which I was referring to the Ritz-Carlton motto of ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, to talk about how organizations through their own branding can raise the level of civility and expectations that to which they expect people to um, be held. And the only comment I got about that from a class attendee was, I prefer if you don't use the term ladies to describe women in the workplace. Which I was like, well, that's not really the direction I was going, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the feedback. And so the it raises the level of sensitivity that people have, and I think properly so. And I like your comment, Tina, because I think people need to talk about it and get the perspective of the person who's on the receiving end of this dialogue. So I, I think that's a great piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought the other interesting thing that you and I talked about a little bit, Chuck, was um, right. So, so you're, you're a white male, right. <laughs> and, and you're somebody who speaks to organizations about 
diversity and harassment and, and unconscious bias and these kinds of things. And I, and I love what you said, because I, I think, and, and maybe you can speak it better than I, but if, but if people question like, why, why is, why is someone who looks like you doing this kind of training? And sometimes it's because you have the best ability to reach the other people who look like you to be able to tell them to not be assholes. <laughs> oh, I, I was teaching a harassment prevention class to the entire faculty of the University of Colorado at Boulder and a tenured professor, long-standing, happened to be female professor on the faculty came up to me and said, I think this is a travesty to have a white male teach a class on sexual harassment when women are primarily the victims of this type of behavior in organizations. And I turned to him and I said, you know, one, I, I appreciate the feedback. I'm not always the first person, the go-to person to talk about diversity and inclusion because I'm actually not the message that people are trying to send to others. But I said, you know, let me reassure you, I'm the best person to tell men when not to be assholes. <laughs> if you think women are more likely to be victimized in this problem area, and I've been told that by my own daughters that I've raised with a measure of success, is it's all perspective. Going back to Tina's point is that I think people need to appreciate the differing perspectives that they come at these issues from. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to, to the group, those of us who've been around the block a few times, um, does anybody have a, a interesting, like what's the weirdest question you've That's, ever- I want to know. By, by, by someone you've worked with, right? Who's ever come to you with one where you had to put on the poker face and inside you're going, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, I see you waving your hand. Yeah, this just reminded me of one of my favorite questions. I, I used to run a, a formal conflict resolution department with a hotline mm -hmm. and the I would sometimes take the calls. And I got a call from a person asking, complaining about, and then asking me how to make it stop. Because he said that his boss was sending laser beam equipment and burning him on his legs in the middle of the night Ooh. and was bugging his house. Wow. And how could he make him stop? Wow. And I went. <laughs> <laughs> I think the same person worked where I used to work. Cause I, <laughs> like, I think it's the same guy. <laughs> it may be actually. Wall Street. It was Wall Street. Interesting. Laser yeah. beam. Yeah, laser beaming and burning his like burning his legs in the night. Yeah. I had a case where a guy thought he was Jesus. He like thought he was Jesus. And I thought, impressive. Bold, but impressive. Uh, I mean, big, big statement right there. <laughs> it is. That's that's putting yourself out there, I think. <laughs> yeah. Those questions kind of are on the mental illness side too, right? I mean, I have a family member who actually experienced that of feeling that something was happening happening to them that wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, those questions also give you some information and how do you handle that? Right. Oh, yeah. I actually love the response is that that's actually where this question goes is, does this raise a question about whether this person has an underlying mental deficit, which renders them incapable of doing their job? And can we demand that they go see their doctor to let us know what limitations, if any, they have, if they believe their supervisors laser beaming them or their Jesus, or they think about hurting themselves or others. Those are potential avenue for employers that not, not only should, but legally might have to raise a question of this person's fitness to continue working. So I'm with you, Ruby, is that, you know, the, these questions sound crazy and they are because someone might be crazy and they are. And so, so that's important. Interestingly so Chuck, enough, this guy, uh, uh, just to tell you the end of the story real fast, yeah. interestingly enough, we, I did suggest to him that he needed to go and have a complete, go to whatever doctor he wanted to and get a complete workup to find out if that was really what was causing the burns or if there was some other thing. And he did, and it turned out that he had undiagnosed blood sugar issues, which would spike and cause psychotic incidents. Yes. Once, he, once wow. he got on insulin, he became a perfectly fine employee again. Wow. No, that's cool. fantastic. 
So Chuck, how do, if you if you're in this situation and somebody claims to be Jesus or getting laser beamed in the night, how do you frame that question in 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 a legally appropriate way? Uh, well, I mean, first, I, I think again, we all do the same thing. I if we lived in a world where people used four expressions, please, thank you, excuse me, and I'm sorry, the world would be a better place. So how I would address that person's issue is, thank you for coming to me. So again, reinforcing the responsibility and desire that people feel comfortable coming to you. So they always hear a thank you for coming to me, even though I'm thinking right now that you're crazy, which is the unspoken part of this dialogue, is thank you and I care about you. And therefore I need to determine is work potentially aggravating your circumstance and I need some assistance from you to help me learn what can make you better or feel safer to work here. So okay. it's you invite a dialogue. Laurel's dying to tell me stories. I know no. you are. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, it's actually a serious one. Um, oh, okay. Because it's only been within the last year that I've had to call 911 for a mental health check in the office. Because mm. I've I've done well with doing exactly what Cindy did. Hey, you need to see a doctor, and you know, using not my normal blunt. You are flipping nuts, um, but doing the please and thank you thing, and had people come back later and said, "Yeah, you know what? It was me, not you," and and all of that. But we had a, a gentleman we had been working with, and this is it happened right before. COVID earlier this year. And uh, we knew he was struggling emotionally. He was all alone, no family. And uh, he lived nearby and his boss told him, why don't you, you know, why don't you go home for lunch? And he said, no, I don't eat at home. I don't go into my kitchen. There are knives there. Oh, wow. And, and I will use one on myself. Oh, no. And uh, we did call 911 and got a mental health intervention because it was, you know, there, there are more serious things people can say, but based on where he had been and what he had told us, I mean, those, those things are happening more and more these days and it's tragic, but he was very grateful. I mean, we got him some help. We got him, uh, you know, he ended up, he went impatient for a while. Um, and which people don't do anymore. So, well, I, yeah. yeah. Well, I would validate you. I think you did the right thing. I mean, that's where people conflate the responsibility to legally comply, but also to be good human beings. And I think they're not mutually exclusive responsibilities. In fact, you know, it goes back to the book. I try to remind people, you shouldn't be an asshole. I have a whole chapter. My wife was shocked that I put in the book question I've asked numerous times about why is it that black people can use the n-word and white people can't that's a fairly provocative issue in uh, in especially in a year which has been racially in a soul-searching period and my wife actually said yeah you should really broaden this to larger racial issues but I said no I was just answering questions that that I got but of course I want to reinforce you shouldn't really be using disrespectful language to anybody that you work with and it's understanding the context of the words and experiences so I'm with you Laurel I think it really matters more what's the right thing to do to help this person rather than, oh my gosh, what can we do within the bounds of the law, which is a different answer sometimes. Well, and that's, you know, I'd, I'd rather have to explain my choices around I was trying to be a good human versus something went drastically wrong and this guy's not on the planet anymore, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell people in my harassment class from time to time, Laurie, and you've probably heard it so many times you've forgotten, but I tell people sometimes that, look, nobody has ever been sued on earth who is that person at work who brings the birthday cake or donuts to work. Is people, you could say anything if you're that person. The only exception would be a pornographic birthday cake, and they do make those. That's a problem. But Everyone else is good to go. If you're nice and you are respectful towards others, you get a lot of latitude in how you can interact with people. People like funny people, 
they don't like mean spirited people. Chuck, Chuck, where do where do we get these pornographic birthday cakes? <laughs> La Bakery Sensual. Sensual. <laughs> in Denver, Colorado. I'm it's not an expert. A wonderful bakery. But I'm just saying. <laughs> they just uh, there was a Saturday Night Live episode too with the um oh gosh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was um in Star Trek Next Gen and he ran a bakery called Erotic Cakes. <laughs> um it's from forever ago it's freaking hilarious oh my goodness oh my god that's funny it reminds me when tom brady was the victim of sexual harassment in uh in saturday night live the oh, yeah. unlikely scenario and as i was trying to refer to that episode to share with everyone i'm realizing i just searched for erotic cakes on my work computer yeah. <laughs> so Wait, lori don't be <laughs> Going back to Morag's comment earlier, um, yes, discover your internet use. She's very productive today, Lori. <laughs> so, so that uh, reminds me of one of my more interesting incidents where I had a woman come to my office, not where I work now, where I worked before, and she had a picture on her phone of one of the cubes near her area where there were magazine cutouts of scantily clad women in like cut out and taped up on somebody's cube. And she's like, yeah, I'm not feeling like this is super appropriate, right? And and so I'm like, well, let's just take a walk. <laughs> so, so we went downstairs where this department was. And sure enough, on this one person's cubicle were all of these, these pictures. And um, the gal happened to know that it was the manager of that group who had put them there. And so I went to his office and said, so yeah, approaching with curiosity before judgment, <laughs> tell me about this. And his, his response was, hey, I was just trying to lighten the mood, right? We've been working real hard. I was just trying to, and, and I you know, kind of did my head tilt. The other caveat to this is that person's cube was actually a homosexual male that he put all of these women's pictures on. And so I, so I was like, just to confirm, so, so you chose to cut these out and put them on this person's cube. He's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, that was a really poor choice and you're suspended and we're kind of done here. <laughs> and he got fired. Right. Cause it's like, well, really? <laughs> but that was his, I was just trying to lighten the mood, man. And so it was, it was kind of yeah. shocking manager of it wasn't just a peer it was the manager i'm like ooh, poor choice <laughs> story and it means uh, who are the role models of the workplace the people who engage in the problem behavior and yeah. it sends a message yeah yeah i love the questions though i love i love the experiences i think everyone in our world has had something weird come up or has always wondered something weird about why does that person get to wear a kilt to work every day? What is up with that? Is can I wear a kilt? Um, and I have a chapter on that about, you know, uh, why can't the black employee go to the Martin Luther King celebration? Um, and so we always question about what is the appropriate measure of equality that people to which people are entitled in the workplace. And that's a complex question in our society. So whatever you do for one employee doesn't necessarily mean you have to do for every other employee. Mm -hmm. I, I'm curious. I'm curious as to whether Laurel has a policy for what is required under the kilt. <laughs> Absolutely not. Unless the pleat comes unfolded. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It sounds dirtier than you intended. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't. <laughs> No one I have, kilt. I have British ancestry. I learned a lot about kilts from the older generation there. They were not as prudish as our books would like us to think. <laughs> yeah, I, my frame of reference is Braveheart, and that's the only thing I can go off of in this area. But uh. well, check a point of clarification: kilts weren't being worn in Scotland when Braveheart, Battle of Culloden, but just a minor thing. <laughs> really? See, I would not. I bet you would know that more than I would know that. Um, Buzz I'm going to trust you there. You're ruining we'll my news Outlander here. look, too, though, Morag. Don't ruin oh, Outlander no, they for had them me. Then. And Jamie. <laughs> but, Jamie yes, worked. but that was the Battle of Culloden, too. 
Oh, well, yeah, okay. Well, we'll forgive it because it's still Jamie. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Back to you, Eric. It's your meeting. <laughs> well, Chuck, I, I love what you said just in terms of, because we do get posed with these questions and in the moment, you don't always have the answer, right? You can't just dial up the, the legal <laughs> precedent or the, right? But, but so I, I love what you said about just kind of the thanking them for bringing the issue and to, to be curious about it and to listen and to not try to make a snap decision or to jump to any conclusions and that it's okay. You know, I, I had to, when I got into employee relations initially, I felt this pressure to like always have the right answer and to always know exactly what to say so that things didn't escalate or that whoever was crying in front of me would stop or, you know, whatever. And I learned over time that it's okay to say, this is, this is really important. And I'm glad you brought this to me and, and we need to take some time to understand what's going on here and, and to, to take the time to do that because you don't always have the right answer. And the answer may have changed a week ago because of some other law that just changed or some case that got you know, settled. So, which is really important. And I had the benefit of being a naval officer at one point in my life. And the sin of being a naval officer is giving the wrong answer. So you're taught to say, I do not know, but I will find out. And you know what? It served me well. It's okay to tell people, I don't know everything today. And it's, I wish it was more common in a business environment than in a military environment where people's lives can just as much be at stake. Certainly their livelihoods can be at stake. And I just think that's something you have to learn. And especially when you have a few years under your belt, I think it's easier to take that position than if you're younger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That humility, Uh, right? I don't know. And that's okay. Yeah. Can I, can I ask Chuck, there's a, there's a generational difference in how we handle some of the, how we see some of these expressions and some of the terms and things that we've said for years are are no longer appropriate, like the bakery that I said I haven't used since the 80s and half the people on this call are going, I wasn't even born yet. But, you know, I, I admit to having some gray hair. Um, there, I've got a, well, I have an all-male outside sales team and a predominantly female inside sales team. So when you put them together, you can have an explosive uh, relationship sometimes. One of the expressions the older folks have always used to apparently to say that, yeah, I'm giving you the the bottom price I can possibly give you is, you know, I, I'm going to drop my trousers here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, the other one, when they're being totally honest, is, okay, I come with kimono wide open. Okay. Now, I've heard both of those expressions all my career, and it's like, well, I don't care if you're male or female. I don't really want to see it, but that's not what the expression's all about. And people under, I don't know, a certain age, 40, 50, (laughs) definitely the ones under 35 are like, oh my gosh, I'm offended. And I'm, you know, the first time I heard that, I told my guys they had to stop saying that, but it's like, some of this just never crosses my mind. How do you help those of us who are a little older? Well, first I have to give credit to Lori because she specifically desired to address this issue in her most recent organizational training. So she gets big points for me for answering your question. And the bottom line is making sure that people understand that the lexicon changes, that times have changed. Open Mm -hmm. the kimono, which many people may not even know that a form of attire can be offensive on the basis of race. People have gotten off the reservation can be disparaging to persons on the basis of their um, of their race. Um, saying that you're a slave driver uh, or we're on the plantation um, is clearly um, out passe language and dredges up racial inequity, especially in a sensitive year for addressing those issues. So how I do it is I raise the level of exposure to these issues, including trite expressions like OK Boomer could harbor racial offense if used severely or pervasively to identify others. And just because they're used in popular 
culture, there's no cultural excuse or defense. Context always matters, but it's important that people get the message that it's how it lands on others in the context. I, I had a harassment case dealing with a young man in his 20s who thought it was perfectly appropriate to refer to women by the term ho. I go, friend, as the father of three daughters, one, I want to beat you within an inch of your life. Can't say that to you right now. But number two, you're probably going to get fired by someone that you interact with in the near term future if you can't conform yourself to the reasonable expectations of not what you and your bros think is acceptable, but to... Um, to the organization standards to which you're going to be held. And I love the comments that are coming up on chat. You know, I had a case in which someone used the word retard considerably to describe others. And that was a much more popular term in the seventies when I was younger, but now clearly it's disparaging a person's on the basis of having a developmental disability, including my own brother-in-law who has down syndrome. So for me, it's a fuse that lights me on fire, but other people clearly remember their gym teacher in the seventies, using that term to talk about people running up and down a basketball court. So it really is part of the educational experience. I think people need to learn. I mean, when I joke about it, I was driving down my neighborhood when my kids were little and they were in the back of the car going to an event. And I said, look at that, our neighbor's house. It looks like a bomb hit it. And he had left his yard unkempt. And, and my, you know, kids, they're curious. They go, dad, who are you talking about? And I go, oh, girls, you know him. He's Mr. So-and-so, you know, the Oriental man who lives in that house. And my daughter who was in elementary school, now going to law school said, dad, dad, Oriental is rugs and furniture, not people. Wow. It's Asian. And it is the most humbling experience to have an elementary schooler teach you <laughs> the right thing. And I joked about I joke about it to this day because it was like, oh yeah, you know what? We use that word a lot more when I was younger in a different context. And so people can learn, and I think they can do it with a measure of humor if quite frankly, they have a measure of humility about, you know, I didn't know everything. And people's yeah. words do change. And maybe I should figure that out a little bit. So I love that Thanks. comment. And I think it's important for people to be able to express to someone, you you hear them, right, trip over something without judging them to be a horrible human being, but be able to point out, you know, that's probably not the best term to use, right, that that could, could be offensive to people or, you know, I, I actually find that a little offensive. So again, you're not attacking them as you're a terrible person, but just pointing out. And, and I think a lot of times people don't feel empowered to do that. And then they end up just judging that person, right? And then it starts to build these perceptions about who they are. Oh, I know Eric was to finish up, but I have one comment about that, Lori, is I always encourage people to go to see the work of Dr. Kelly Reardon, who has a site called comebacksatwork.com, in which she educates primarily women about being prepared for the eventuality of um, disrespectful treatment and has ready at hand, and she's adopted ready at hand comebacks quips because we're always surprised that someone offends our sensibilities, even though we shouldn't be so surprised. And at work, we're doubly surprised because we think everybody hews to the same, you know, um, the, the same general uh, responsibilities to which we hold ourselves. And so she's done great work in this area. And I encourage people to prepare yourself for the inevitable asshole that you're going to encounter, much like a martial artist prepares themselves for the eventual fight by practicing the moves that they intend to make in those conflicts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I'll put that, I'll put that link in. I just pulled it up. Nice. She has a blog. She has a book apparently. Yeah. It's, she's uh, done some good work in this area. I follow her. Um, you know, again, it goes back to the whole point of this class. There's a ton of information out there. One book is just to introduce people to employment law but it certainly is not the complete compendium of employment law. It's just a way for people to have a much more thoughtful conversation about the huge responsibilities we have, not only for our own rights, but extending the rights to others, which I think is just as important in our society. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's awesome. awesome. Thanks, Chuck. That, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
It was fun. Ups. Can I get that applause track somehow in my everyday life? Yeah, I'll, I'll follow you around and just play. Awesome. <laughs> so all you have to do is just give yourself a high five. I do it all the time. I need it. She, she literally does. It's very strange. She'll say something that she's proud of and she'll high five herself. And I'll be like, did you? Did you just high five yourself? Sounds like a Zen koan. What is the sound of one high five clapping? (laughs) Just want to go back to Eric as the tiny habits coach who got us all making sure we did celebrations. So right back at you there, Eric. That's right. All right. Well, thanks, Chuck. That's awesome. We will will get this one processed and get it out in podcast and video format in probably two weeks. So look for that, everybody. Share it with your friends. Um, let's do some funny stuff, good stuff, a drink, and get out of here. So funny things. Um, <laughs> this one made me laugh. Me watching restaurants and bars putting up enclosed tents. Cindy, this is walls. This is not outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> and because 2020, bag Christmas bag of threats. <laughs> what? Yeah, that 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 deserves this one. <laughs> um, it's Sunday, everybody. Remember to change into a new outfit for the week. <laughs> Spreading disease over the Thanksgiving holiday. That's so sixteen twenty one. A couple more Thanksgiving ones here. You want a traditional Thanksgiving? The CDC recommends you eat outside like a goddamn pilgrim this year. (laughs) Please stay home for Thanksgiving so we can all be thankful our family is still alive to be disappointed in us next year. (laughs) If you don't start your Thanksgiving Zoom invites with, you are COVIDly invited, I don't even know what you're doing. (laughs) And my favorite funny thing this week... We're only getting together for Thanksgiving is 2020's answer to we'll cover more ground if we split up or I'll go reset the breakers in the basement by myself. (laughs) Uh, And today's feel good story. This one I love and I'll put the link on the network. It it actually made me tear up. So this guy, this army veteran, he was in Vietnam. Um, Ron Cavello is his name. And, you know, I I don't know if you guys did this. We did this um, when I was in elementary school and middle school where we we had pen pals with soldiers who were deployed places and we wrote them you know letter letters and and mailed them and um this guy was he got a letter from one of his pen pals she was in elementary school at the time when he was serving in vietnam and uh she works for the postal service and so does he and she Mm -hmm. noticed him in in like the employee directory or whatever and thought, I wonder if it's the same guy. Um, so she wrote a letter and sent it to him. She didn't know, she didn't know his address, but she works in the postal service. So she knew his post office and she asked to have the letter delivered. And then they ended up meeting and he, that's him on the right there. He has made it his mission now to write a letter to every kid who wrote to him Oh, right. And yeah, so they got to meet and the woman in the middle there is the teacher Mm -hmm. who made that happen. Yeah, it's it's a good story. It's a good story. That's great. Love it. Today's semi-quarantine cocktail is the 184 184 because that's the number of people that that got COVID yesterday in the United States. Yeah. So this is a riff on a pineapple sunrise mimosa. And I picked it, Lori, because it looked like the mimosas that I made on Thanksgiving. Preparation <laughs> so is important. <laughs> What's that? Preparation drinking is important. Well, yeah, you gotta lay you gotta get a base layer down, right? <laughs> on an a on a on a day like Thanksgiving. So you're gonna need a little pineapple juice. And like I said, this is the number of new COVID cases in the US yesterday. Close to 200,000. Little orange juice. Um, 339355 is the projected number now of U.S. deaths on 1121. You're going to need some fruit. Uh, elected folks traveling for Thanksgiving, like Mayor Hancock here in Denver, 
don't go anywhere. And then they busted him on a plane to where was he going? Mississippi or somewhere where his family was because his family had already traveled. Mm-hmm. Mayor of San Jose did the same thing. There's a bunch of them. Dumb. You're going to need a whole bottle of Prosecco because we're making a pitcher of these things. <laughs> uh, we're safe. We're in a very dangerous place. We're safe. No, we're not safe. We're in a very dangerous place. This is a quote from Dr. Burks today. A little Campari. Um, and here's a fun fact for you. The U.S. reported more COVID-19 cases in November than most countries had all year. Little pineapple, little orange for garnish. Wear your goddamn mask and mix up a picture of these things because they've got to be amazing. I'm going to make them this weekend. Sounds really yeah. good. Right? Do you have a mask with a hole in it for the straw? <laughs> straw. <laughs> yeah. We need to like have it filter up underneath somehow. Right? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Thank, as always, Wednesdays are my favorite days. Chuck, you were amazing. Thanks oh, for being here with us. Thanks, Lori, for for all the prep work that you did. And thanks to everybody that that showed up and hung out with us today. You guys are awesome. Big ups to everybody. All right, guys. Be well. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Happy holidays. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender.